Now, the other reason that GM did it, and you'll see this on the internet, people will say, well, the only reason they did that was for emissions purposes. Well, I, I, I have a different viewpoint on emissions than most people. Right. I think emissions requirements are the greatest thing that's ever happened to the automotive world in the past 30 years. Oh, okay. Okay, I like this. So how else would we have the fantastic... Performance that we have. ECMs, sensors, O2 capability, you know, full closed-loop O2 capability. Right, right. All of these wonderful systems. Came from the demand the emissions to make them more emission efficient. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So... What's wrong with not, you know, with, with exactly. having good emissions? There's nothing wrong so with that. So hence why you, because I, I was going to ask the question, why you put the O2, or I mean the cats on your on your car. So you certainly didn't have to. I didn't have to. But it, it, for me, it did two things. One, it really quieted down the car without losing performance. Okay, because Chevrolet engineered it They that engineered way. all that they stuff. They engineered And again, I was given some data that I was like, you got to be kidding me. Flow. Horsepower oh, data. Horsepower data. Real. Yeah, cats don't really hurt they don't. power. They don't. No. No. Modern old, supercharged old, cars. The old, old days of pellet converters, yes, they Dif- were horrible. Different deal. But these are monoliths. Uh, correct. Yeah. So a whole different animal. Um, so, I mean, my, I, I love having my wife drive along with me in the car, but she never liked driving in it for a long time because she gets out and she smells like hydrocarbons. Yeah. Right, right. That's gone. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist any longer yeah. in the yeah. car. So That's it, a good point. Yeah. But... It, it, overall, the missions have done so much for the performance hobby that's, that we don't even think about most of the time. Yeah. Because that, yeah. that's what's that driven is, all these systems. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Right. Yeah. Hey, welcome to Car Guy Confessions, brought to you by ARP. I'm Jeff Smith. This is my car buddy, Cam Benzie, and car builder, Steve Strope. And we're going to tell you some stories. Welcome to another episode of Car Guy Confessions with Jeff Smith. I'm Jeff Smith. This is Steve Strope. I am. We have a special guest star here, Carl Casanova. But we want to first thank special, special, very special. special. Thank our sponsor, ARP-Bolts.com. Go check them out. It's. uh, I just put a small bot together with a set of head bolts. You know, and the whole time I'm thinking, yes, yes, I don't have to worry about pulling threads. This knife, wonderful. So, let's just dive right in. So, so we have lots to talk about. So we've been talking a lot on the phone. The we past couple we of have. Years. So we'll have to make sure and cover all those things. So the time will go fast. Believe me, it will go fast. So let's start with. Let's start with the Camaro. So so let's let's set this up. Sixty eight. Yes. Sixty eight Camaro LS motor was originally an LS one, wasn't it? Well, it was originally a three twenty seven two barrel power. Well, well car. back in the day, yes. Okay, and then you you transformed it with a T fifty six, right? LS1 T56. Yep, and it's, a 12-bolt. And it's, yeah, it's actually kind of a unique. It's a 12-bolt full floater rear full end. One floater. of the only ones that I've ever Ooh. seen. Ooh. So we, we can have, tell, tell a little we, story about that. We may that have to too. talk about that. Yeah. So, so, and it was an early, early pro touring car, right? So, now, were you building that before the, we came up with the term, or was that about con- Commensurate. I think it was kind of parallel. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people were building cars like that. Well, I, I started building the car not knowing the term, but just knowing that I wanted it to do more than just go straight. Exactly, exactly. But back in, when I first, so I've had the car for 40 years. This was my high school car. I this didn't was, know that. I, I drove I it to my know. prom. I did. Wow, very cool. All kinds of things with the car. So there's history there's, with there's this a, car. If that car could tell stories, it'd be <laughs> even a whole other podcast. Um, so super I know nothing. <laughs> another, yeah, that might be a different right. that one. <laughs> another take on that same story. Yeah, true. <laughs> so when I started rebuilding the car after college, uh-huh. 
the internet wasn't real popular. Then it just started. Right. There wasn't a whole lot of really good sources for solid information on how to do it. So right. you, you're kind of stumbling through a lot of that. Okay, oh, I'll do the Goldstrand mod and I'll do a couple other sure. things, but you didn't really know what you were doing. Right. You know. I was fortunate that Dick Goldstrom wasn't that far away. His old shop, he's, yeah. he's no longer around. That, sh- that shop is closed, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, just a wealth of information kind of pointed me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, early mentor toward trying to, to build a car. And that modification to the upper controller mounting point actually came from, I think, didn't didn't that come from Donahue's and, and Penske with the early Trans Am cars? I think didn't, that was actually Goldstrom's. Goldstrom's idea, yeah, idea that yep. he gave to them. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So he gave some pointers on how to set up the car and right. such. But as time progressed um, through my career, I was dealing with a lot of different automotive aftermarket companies. And I was uh-huh. dealing with Magnuson, so Magnuson Superchargers. Okay. And I always loved sitting down with Jerry Magnuson because he yeah. was, the guy was in education. He was. And he, was. Uh, he Great said, guy. Carl, you got to change. You got you to put an LS in that car and you got to do You got to put a supercharger <laughs> and you got And eventually I finally did. And it was mm-hmm. one of the. There's been three or four things in the car that have made it truly transformative. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was it. That really changed the dynamic of the car into something where I could really drive it hard. But at the same time, if I just want to drive across the country, I can do that. Right, right, right. And that evolved into developing it for one lap. So I had not heard of one lap until I talked a lot with James Shipka. Okay. So James Shipka Shipka back in the uh, late 2000s built the one-lap Camaro. He built the one-lap Camaro, right, exactly. Which, even by today's standards, is a, it's sophisticated. It's an awesome car. Yes. It's one of the greatest cars. I, I'm super fortunate I was able to drive with James on one lap and uh-huh. learn a lot about one lap, but halfway through it, I my, my father got sick. I had to come home and, and, and deal with his end of life, mm-hmm. but got hooked. Yeah. Um, and was able to take some of the ideas that I had as far as I, I'm, I'm much more the reliability guy than the ultimate performance guy. Right. And that's what one lap is. It's so, really about reliability. Right. Well, let, let's let's pause there for a second and define what one, one lap is because there may be some readers or viewers that don't understand what that is. Sure. So a lot of people are familiar with drag week. Right. Which is you, you, you drag race during the day and then you have a drive to your track the next you pack day. Pack your stuff up and you pack head your to the stuff next and track. You dra- head to the next track. And what you don't want to do is break you in between. You don't want to break. Because um, <laughs> it puts you behind. So... Drag Week was based on one lap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one lap is you start and finish at the Tire Rack of America headquarters in South Bend, Indiana. Uh-huh. And you do track events during the day. You do performance yeah. events during the day. Every day. Every day. You do this for a week. Yeah. So it ends up being usually like 19 to 20 different performance events. You'll be doing autocross, road course. Right. One year they even had dirt track you had to go and do. Really? Which I would love. If, really? if Brock ever bought that back, I'm, I'm, I'm oh, in. Oh, that, that sounds crazy. Um, yeah. So you would do uh, basically time, time trials during the day. Mm-hmm. You could even have a drag race, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, it's always mixed up. Right. And you go to different places every year. Uh-huh. But then you usually have like a five to 700-mile transit stage that night to Which get you to the next serious. track. Serious. I mean, we're talking now sleep deprivation, right? Towards the end of the week, it's sleep management. <laughs> and, you, and you have to have your co-driver that you can trust because, mm-hmm. um, and, and then it becomes part of the logistics. I mean, you come off track, you're just full of adrenaline. So right, right. you're driving the first leg, yeah. the other guy gets a couple hours of sleep, and then you swap. And then you swap. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. he drives it through the night to get you the next He'll, track. Usually you drive through a full tank of gas or until you, know, yeah. you need to have a bio break. Right. Um, but yeah, you, there has to be some sleep in the car because if you're lucky, you get four to five hours a night, wow, maybe in wow. a bed. And that sounds like a lot, but you're not 
you're not oh in a bed rather than just four or five hours in the car. Right. We're okay. in the car typically. On, on transit stages are usually six to seven hours. Okay. But if you've got a big one that's 700 miles, you're you're in the car 10, 11 hours. Yeah, yeah. So wow. you're, you're pulling into the hotel at 2 in the morning. And, and you're going to get up morning, at 6, right? And you got to be at the track by 7 so yeah. you can walk it and get, right. a, get a feel for things. Sure. So, yeah, you'll, you'll find people kind of in their fetal <laughs> position sleeping next to the car as the week goes on. So, as you said, it's really as much about durability because if the car won't survive, you're not going to win. You can't possibly win. Right. And, and even just missing or DNFing mm-hmm. one is a event killer. is a yeah, killer. Is a killer. So, right. you'll, you'll, it's, it's interesting after doing enough of them, you see cars come in. And these cars are really high strung. Right, right. And you go... Not going to survive. They're not going to survive. Right. They get one or two events and they're, and, and they're gone. And they're gone. And yeah. they don't come back. And they don't come back. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's first and foremost, a, uh, it, it's, it's a reliability marathon. Right. And, and I would take a, a certain amount of balance between reliability, but you still have to have the performance if you're going to have a chance to win. And you got to have at least a reasonably good pedigree for, for driving the car. Mm-hmm. Because right. you know, many of these tracks you've never been to before. Okay. The, guy, the guys that are really good. I mean, these guys are well established. They have a fantastic racing background. Uh-huh. They've been to many of these places before. They're driving supercars. I mean, you got guys like Lee Keen. You know, he's factory Porsche driver. He's yeah. These these guys are studs when yeah. they're behind the wheel. You're, yeah. You're, how, where else in the world? It's like playing golf with Tiger Woods. And those, you know, <laughs> guys of that level because they're coming out to race. And you're, you're I hadn't just, thought of that before, but you're right. Yeah, I get to, well, I get to race against those guys. You get, yeah. You're racing against really yeah good. really talented drivers right like we had uh andy pilgrim really yeah he so andy a couple years ago it was andy pilgrim uh was driving a brand new bmw m4 okay fantastic car and he, we we and his his co-driver my co-driver we all just kind of got got along together and uh-huh. we were doing a lot of this on the overall score so it was a t- uh-huh. just a ton of fun when you meet guys yeah. like that and now is is because you have an older car is there a classic uh category for your car or do you compete against the late model cars so it's really two things so first there is the overall so everybody gets stacked into this big overall right the other one is you do have Mm classification so since it's a 68 camaro it falls into the vintage category vintage category yeah so i think the current rules is 1984 and prior okay Foreign or domestic. Mm-hmm. So now it's opened it up to a lot of the BMW M cars okay. um, and, and such. So it's become much more competitive, which is mm-hmm. a good thing because yeah. it, there weren't enough cars in it, in, in it before. Okay. Um, but the, I mean, the big boy classes, you're talking uh, $50,000 and above, 3.6 liters and above. Ah. I mean, you're talking uh, the, the cars that do really well are going to be like uh, uh, Z06 Corvettes. Yeah. Uh, Nissan GTRs. Um, but these, you know, those are serious cars. Yeah. There, there's a reason why they're called Godzilla. Because <laughs> they, they, it's a serious piece of equipment. Yeah. 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 yeah but just a lot of great. So great how many folks. of these have you done with the Camaro? I've done three with three. this car and uh, the one with James Shipka. And, and with Shipka. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So what was the craziest time? So like, it, it has to be like an episode, right? There, yeah. Yeah. There, there's, there ends up being lots of them. <laughs> um, so there was one time we were driving north toward Tulsa, mm-hmm. and we just finished up drag racing. And I don't do drag racing. I, I've drag raced that car on one lap uh-huh. twice in the past 30 years. Okay. That's it. So we did actually did fairly well. 
driving north toward Tulsa, and mm-hmm. it's a stunning be- – it's just a beautiful day. Uh-huh. That's one of the nicest things about one lap is you get to go on some routes that are just just beautiful. They're yeah. kind of off the beaten path. Sun's going down, beautiful sunset. I was like, man, this is, this is great. We're making good time. We're actually going to get some sleep tonight. Uh-huh. And no. <laughs> the, 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 and it was a bang. Fate. Ooh. Big bang. Ooh. Um, all of a sudden, we, we start seeing rain. Rain's, rain's coming. Okay. And now we're looking it up on our phones. Like, mm. we're, it's not just rain. It's, it's red. It's, on the, on the, it's on red. The, <laughs> so that's we, not good. So we stopped. We put rain X on the windshield. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You clean the windshield on the car five, six times a day at least because right. of the bugs and everything. Right. So we get to, get to Tulsa, and it's pouring. Mm. But for some reason, the rain X screwed up the, win- the window. The windshield wipers wouldn't work right. They're just mm. jumping and bouncing. It was awful. Yeah. You couldn't drive. So we, wow. we took five minutes, pulled into a hotel, got out some brake cleaner, wipe it, <laughs> trying to get rid of the, the rain X on the, the windshield. The silicone window. on the windshield, yeah. Right, yeah. right. But it's pouring rain, so it's super damp and wet. Right, so even it's diluting it and it's well, not working. Yeah, even, even under the, the hotel And the brake cleaner yeah. ate the rubber on your wiper blades. Yeah. <laughs> It still worked better than having the Rain-X on there. Something must be wrong because I've driven across country a ton of times with Rain-X and it works like a truck. With the windshield wipers. No. You oh, don't use yeah, wipers. you just don't use them. Yeah, that's what I've always well, I use I use Rain-X on Power Tour because I didn't have windshield wipers on my car. Yeah. So we were yeah. going – yeah. a lot of speed changes because the, 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 sure. the, the rain was – getting i mean serious really serious yeah yeah so we manage it to get does back. that in the midwest it does that yeah so we get we get back on the highway and all of a sudden it just stops uh. all, all the traffic just stops mm. and it hadn't been just a couple minutes before then that a tornado first oh, paralleled no. the frontage road and then went across <laughs> the the uh, highway <laughs> so they closed the freeway and said okay you guys now got to exit the freeway off of this exit you know, and then get onto the frontage road. Is that because a, a tornado passed it, but no damage was done? Or no, they it? put us on the frontage road where the tornado came through. There's, <laughs> there's crap everywhere. But before we even got off there's the a good. There's a, there's a, yeah. <laughs> hey, we'd like to thank our sponsor, ARP-Bolts.com. we got a fantastic little backdrop here. They make it an outstanding series of bolts, almost anything you would need for engines, chassis, things like that. In fact, we were at lunch today, and a guy asked you about the, the, the bolt on the back of your shirt, and it was, and, it was really, and I said, well, it's really about a head bolt. They neck the, 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 the stem down of the bolt on a short a small block Chevy head bolt, so the clamp load is even across three different head bolt lengths on a small block Chevy. And, uh, you know, so that, that's the kind of technology that you get out of so, ARP. And uh, we, we've all got stories on all that right, stuff. Well, but, for a uh, translation of what he said, call ARPbolts.com. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the message is that you can't get any better than that. No, you so cannot. There nope. you go. Nope. Excellent. And then just check them out at ARP-bolts.com. We'd like to thank our friends at InTheGarageMedia.com. They have three fantastic magazines. They've got Classic Truck Performance. They have Modern Rotting and my favorite, All Chevy Performance, with Nick, my buddy Nick, oh, you're the so editor. Biased. So Correct. yes, of course. Yes. But uh, they're doing print media, which yes. is, uh, of course, our favorite. So in uh, color magazine. and everything. In color and everything, yes. and and you can get your your car on the cover of one of those books, right. which is right. a fun no, that's deal. A lot. Great yeah. tech. You Great tech. By you you know, not always written by me, but yeah. People. Yeah. Not yeah. always written by me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just so pick it up and read it. at yes. InTheGarageMedia.com, and uh, they're our friends, and uh, they will thank you. But before <laughs> we even get a chance to get off the freeway, we're on the off-ramp. Okay. And there's now a river. Oh, yeah. Going 
across, across this exit, fr- <laughs> and there's a dually truck in front of us, and the water is well over the center of the wheel on the dually truck. Uh-oh, Ooh. uh-oh. That's not good. And there's hundreds of cars behind right. us. We're stuck. Yeah, So yeah. My, dri- my co-driver, John, he was mm-hmm. driving the car then, yeah. and he's like, he's starting to panic. He goes, what should I do? What should I do? And this is all part of the car preparation. Yeah. I'm doing the mental gymnastics now going, what is that height? Where? What is going to be flooded? Is the car going to make it through? Right, right. Uh, and will it carry us off? cleaner higher than the six? <laughs> exactly. That well, <laughs> yep. So I'm like, just go. Yeah, yeah. And we plowed through that thing. And the next day when we opened up the hood and started looking underneath the car, it had come all the way up to the... Uh, Really? To the doors. Wow. And fortunately, no water came in the car, but that, that thing got wow. hammered. It got, yeah. it got soaked. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But then you're driving along the front of the road. I mean, the, the hotel, there's hotels, industrial buildings. It's all just wiped out. Really? Yeah. So you debris see, everywhere? You, debris everywhere. Uh, you're you lucky you didn't tear your tires up. Fortunately, on the... It, well, that's the, what the water was for. See, it washed, <laughs> washed everything away. <laughs> Watch all that debris away. Sorry about that. <laughs> now, remember... <laughs> Everybody, now that we're going to pause and make fun of me, my right my right eye doesn't work. So this microphone doesn't exist in my line of vision. I want to hide right now. <laughs> well, the funny thing I was saying, damn it, was that all the rainwater was there to wash all the debris away. Continue, Carl. Back over to, back over to Carl. Back over to Carl. <laughs> But then how far were you from where you needed to go? We still had another couple hundred miles to oh, go. Oh, jeez. So how far did you have to go on the front road to get back on the freeway? It, it only ended up being, you know, a couple, two or three miles before oh, okay. they put you back okay. on again. Yeah. But as we're driving by, we're seeing, you know, these hotels the, and industrial buildings and trailer parks. with of, Which are here. which are tornado magnets. Right. The, yes. three so, you know, yeah, the front yeah. 50, part, 50 feet of the building's fine, and then there's this gap. Oh, yeah. Where it just went through and just tore Well, up. and, you know... Most probably know by now, but I've moved from Southern California, from our undisclosed location here, uh, to Iowa, and and got back there, and immediately was faced with a in the middle of March, which was very bizarre, a tornado, and that's it was not like, tornado time. No, it was guys. not at all, but it was unreasonably hot. Yeah, and that's what that's what caused it. And I was out in my shop, and and my son comes running out, and he's a big guy, but he doesn't run. And he's running out, and I'm going, uh-oh, something's in, somebody's hurt, right? And he goes, close the shop up right now. we got a tornado. It's, it's coming. It's coming at us. Mm. Okay. So close the shop up real quick, which really was dumb because. You open the windows. Yes. Which, so that. But Depressurize. Just wasn't thinking. And close so I'm walking. Up. It's about 50 feet from, no, it's more like 75 feet or 100 feet from my shop to my house. And we can see it. Not the tornado, but the clouds just got super black. And it literally formed over our house. Oh. And, the, and the, it was turning this direction, and the air at the bottom where we were was going the other way. It was bizarre. And then it hit Winterset, which was about eight miles from my house as a crow flies, and, and six people got killed. So it was so all That's my friends sad. here were saying, so are you going to move back? And it's like, no, I'm just trading one natural disaster for another. It's, yeah, you get tornado <laughs> weather, we got earthquake weather. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But nevertheless, it's scary, you know. And uh, absolutely. Because yeah. when I co-drove with James, I was super fortunate that James let me co-drive with him mm-hmm. one year. Mary, Mary Posey yes. was uh, his, normal co-driver. his normal co-driver. She couldn't make it, so I, I was able to step in for half of it. Um, but it, it's one of the things you're like, 
See that sky over there? Yeah, that's... And when it turns... And speed up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when it turns green, yeah. that's bad. That's very, very bad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, oh boy. Yeah. But that's just... But it's... it's That's the Midwest, right? right? You know? Yep. And we did... We hit that on Power Tour one year. Yeah, I we think had going through Kansas. The one... When we started at the Grand Ole Opry and came back out this way. Oh, okay. And we were in... Where were we? Well, it happened before we went into Louisiana, but it, that night in Louisiana, it poured, and then we went to another place, which I think was Texas, and it was there was uh, there were tornado warnings, and it started hailing. I'm like, oh, everyone's uh, paint hail, jobs. Hail is the worst. This. Uh, hail is the worst. And I, I remember we were everybody had we were at the cruise stop, and everything kind of ended early. Everybody bailed to their hotels, right? And then the parking lot just started filling up with water, oh. and the hail was coming down. Yeah. And I'm not getting close enough to my <laughs> microphone. Yeah. You know, I, I'm I, supposed I think to be a, a professional, actually. Yeah, and I, I think there's a there's a product that you. needs to be developed. My, my, my son's girlfriend said, I want to wrap my car in bubble wrap, you know, for the hail that was supposed to be coming. Right. And it was like, sure. I'll bet you could build a car cover that would do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised no one's done the that. hail repellent, hail or hail resistant, hail maybe. resistant, and re- hail resistant, just to give them a chance, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh yeah, there, yeah, it's called the garage. It's a, yeah. Well, yes, the but, voice from. But the, see, the problem is the her car Rams. has to sit outside because all the hot rods are in the garage. Oh, so well, anyway, well, good to know y'all got because and and you're right to open up the windows because what happens is when the tornado comes by, very low pressure, and the house explodes from the pressure on the inside. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. Those people got killed. It was the house was it was blown. gone. It was gone. Wow. It was completely gone. So, so that's the kind of stuff you guys are looking at on on one lap, right? Occasionally, right. I mean, there's the potential for that. Well, there's potential. And it's a week long deal, right? It's Saturday, basically like a Saturday to Saturday. Saturday to Saturday, yeah. And it usually finishes the Saturday before Mother's Day. So oh, wonderful. We're all we're trying to wrap up and get home <laughs> because we've been gone for a while, and then right, rice, you right. Know. yeah. Um, but. It's 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 just really something that if you're a if you're a gearhead, and you love driving cars, yeah, that's the event to go to. Yeah, yeah, so much fun, with an emphasis on the durability. So hence, when we started talking about your car, yeah, this last time around we were talking about it, you were in the midst of converting it to something a bit more durable. So there's a couple things I've done with with, with the car. The car's always kind of in a state of flux. It's uh-huh. my little project. Well, that sure, I get it's, to tinker it's with. It's gonna and, always evolve. Yeah. right. So, and it was interesting because I was having the conversation with a mutual friend, Mark mm-hmm. Stilo, yeah. and uh, he, he was talking about, you know, I really want to calm down some of my cars because, you know, he deals with race cars all day long. Right. So, he wants something that's a little, you know, quieter because, you, know, you know, I was doing ex- And still be same and still be fast. Still be fast. Right. And, and I had already been started kind of thinking about the same thing because last September, I drove the car on the uh, Good Guys Road Tour, and mm-hmm. that was 5,500 miles. And... Although the car, for what it was, was fairly quiet for the exhaust it had on it, mm-hmm. I drove from Dallas to Los Angeles almost straight through. Stopped wow. for a couple, two or three hours of sleep, and then kept on going. It wears on you after a while. It does. So it was it, like, it, okay, how can I get the best of all worlds? Yeah. I want it to be durable. I want it to be fast. I want it to be um, uh, quieter. You right. know, I want to bring down the, the, the noise pressure in the car. The interior noise. The interior noise right. in the car. So after having discussions with Mark, and Mark says, hey, you need to go talk to this other guy who works for GM. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a lot of good data. Uh-huh. That's what's nice about you know, guys like you who have knowledge, in, in, insider knowledge. We get good data. Yeah, yeah. And yep. they're like, 
just do this and ba- basically, you know, from the data we were, you know, was given, uh-huh. put catalytic converters on the car. So now the car has really uh, all four 2021 ZL1 Camaro catalytic converters. Okay. It has Gen 5 LS7 tubular tri-y manifolds. Okay. So it's, it's a... It's a shorty header. And and the reason for that is because they've done the million dollars worth of testing to the million, make sure they're not going to crack and break and fall off and all that crazy I, stuff. I, I won't mention the manufacturer, but I've blown out the back end of, of now four mufflers in the car. Okay. I've busted multiple different manufacturers' X-pipes in the car, uh-huh. all with flex joints, fully mounted, all supported. Supercharging shouldn't, shouldn't have done it. It shouldn't have done it, but right. supercharging is hard on cars. Because right. cars are supercharged. Because you're talking about a lot of heat. And a lot pressure. of heat. And you're pushing it hard on track. And sure. So, so it's, it's hard on things. So I try to take the approach of what can I do from an OE standpoint? Mm-hmm. And you know, after talking to these guys, it's like, okay, I, I'm not concerned about it. Mm-hmm. Because without good data, you don't know. You're, right. you're listening to things that very popular out there, mm-hmm. but is that really the right thing? Exactly. So took that approach, um, redid some other things in the car, it basically a fully re- rebuilt the drivetrain. It, mm-hmm. it started on that drive back from Dallas. I blew uh-huh. the pilot bearing out in the car. Ooh. And managed to be able to get the car home. Uh-huh. So a pilot blowing out the pilot bearing turned into a full soup to nuts rebuild of the entire drivetrain <laughs> of the car. <laughs> because when the pilot bearing goes out, not a bushing, but a bearing, yeah, a that means you were misaligned. It was definitely misaligned. Yeah. So yeah. I bought it when I when I put all that together, it was a brand new GM block. Mm-hmm. It was a brand new GM bell housing. It was everything. But I didn't check the alignment. I'm thinking it's all brand new parts. It should it's be all, fine. Exactly. You shouldn't have to. I mean, you're talking, you know, if it's gotta be five thousand TIR on the on, on the on the bore. You're, we're within spec. You should be within spec. Right. And the flatness, I mean, that's not even, shouldn't even be a concern. Yeah, parallelism Parallel- to the bell housing mount. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So. Silly you. Sil- <laughs> that's exactly right, Steve. Silly me. I made, silly you. I made, but also, you know, it's a situation where you've really pushed it hard. Yeah. Because, and that was after how many years? So, it had... Five years on it. Five years. And a lot of track time. Yeah. Uh, so it actually held up better than I expected because, and you're, you're exactly right, Steve. What, what's that assume thing? How does that go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I assumed, uh, but after getting it out of the car and doing a physical check, uh-huh. it was within spec on TIR. Okay. So it was within five. Mm-hmm. But what they really want for that parallelism, you know, the transmission yes. again, which, which is the which harder one, which most people don't do. Don't most people don't even think to look at, right? Because they just assu- assume again assume that, it's, that good. it's parallel. It's supposed to be t- within two thousands TIR, okay, for normal uh-huh. driving and one thou for high performance driving. So if you're going to be pushing hard on track, wow. RPM, so near perfect, near perfect. It was eleven thousand. Yikes. Which is at one is eleven so times the spec. Well, it's eleven <laughs> times the spec, but it's also on a lever arm. Yeah, because it's eleven. It's and this it's far, that away, far away. Eleven thousandths out. It's really so tweaked. So it's just taking the input shaft and just going. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, so that's yeah. why I failed. So I took the uh, not easy road, which would have been shims, mm-hmm. and I actually put the whole bell housing on a mill, and milled the really? bell housing. Really. And it took me like five or six setups of that, sure. you know, taking just a little bit at a time here oh, and there. Yeah. Finally got it to where it needs to be because one of the things about reliability is what if. Right. 
I don't think I'm ever going to have to take the transmission out on one lap. Mm-hmm. But if I do, I don't want to have to have a, a bunch dozen of shims, shims trying to remember where they go. They're going to fall mm-hmm. out right. when you pull the bell housing out. In the middle of the night on the side of the road, having to do something. Right. Like that. Uh, right. Which is exactly where it will happen. Yeah, that's when it's. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. where and when it's going to I ran happen. into a similar situation, was actually doing one of our tech videos with Cam, and was going to do a bell housing, and it turned into the most difficult te- uh, video that we did. Right. Because. Halfway through, I said, well, here, we just threw it up in and we'll check parallelism. And, and put, had this bell housing on a small block Chevy, pulled it off, stuck it on this LS motor, and all of a sudden it was 10,000 out. Went back to the small block. It's perfect. Right. WTF. The block. What? The block is off that much? Yeah. Then I started looking very closely, and, of course, it was installer error. What I did on the LS motor was put an aftermarket pan on it. And when I mm. did, when I mounted the pan, because there are no dowels, right? Right. So the pan was all of a sudden ten thousand because the bottom of the pan on back. OE OE is is a is a bolt connection for the in. bell housing. I don't use them because they actually the bell housing I was using didn't have them, but so it didn't dawn on me that that would be an issue. But what it was doing was taking the back of the bell housing and going like that with it. Right. And there was my there was my parallelism that was out. So I just did the quickie deal and just took a die grinder to <laughs> the back of the pan and that fixed it. But probably wasn't the best solution. The best solution would be to relocate the pan forward. But, you know, I had to finish the video. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, Cam, come back tomorrow. And we'll <laughs> so there's a little behind the scenes of the, how we cheated it. But it was, then it was right. And then once, once I milled it down with a band, with a saw, uh, with a file, <laughs> you know, for about an hour. Right, right. <laughs> then it was okay. And I had, because I wanted to make sure I had a gap. You know, because I wasn't going to bolt it to the pan at the bottom. Right. But then it was fixed. Right. Yeah. But right. had I tried to run it without checking it, it would have done exactly what you did. And so even more so that at 11 times the spec, right. it lasted all those it's years. It still lasted That's quite amazing. a long time. That's amazing. And it had been acting up for three years. Okay. Because after racing and we did drag racing in, uh, on one lap in, in St. Louis. Uh-huh. And again, I don't do drag racing all that often. Mm-hmm. So ran ran the quarter and afterward it was like the clutch just didn't feel, feel right, right. Yep. just yep. yeah it, i couldn't put my finger on it mm-hmm. but it's just like one of those things like it just doesn't yeah feel there's something right. not right here there's something yeah. not right the car, i mean it still worked fine car sure. drove okay it was just like yeah but it, and it would ha- it, it felt like gritty no not no? at all no really okay didn't even mine, know mine did that okay. mine did that it felt gritty and it took a long time to figure out what it was and it was again out of out of spec yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, but that's cool. And that really shows just the level of development you have to have to have that car survive that kind of abuse. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's not making the car like a 10 tenths car where it's right. Yeah. I could put another hundred horsepower in the car. I could put a lot of other, you know, you know, really make it a high strung machine, but Mm -hmm. then it's not something I can just jump in and go wherever I want to. Right. Right. I really wanted to be a dual purpose kind of a car yeah yeah you know i, I would say g machine or resto mod yeah, yeah. Or, can, I, can i say resto mod <laughs> no. steve no okay. we're gonna bleep that out actually it's gonna how about pro touring can pro i say that? that all right yeah that's great yeah. that is the correct word that you may use but that and and so and still probably a lot of fun now did you notice a power difference because you feel a power difference by those more durability changes that you did to the car well so there's really only been two LS engines in the car. There was the LS1, and uh-huh. then I, I went up to an LS6, which is still basically the same. Yeah. But better set of heads, a little bit more boost. So, right. yeah, it was much faster with the, the, the second engine. Mm-hmm. But for me, especially for, you know, for my driving abilities, 
the car has plenty of power. Mm -hmm. It's the nut behind the wheel that's the limiting factor in the exactly. car. Exactly. So it's the the any money that I put into it into the car is really much better spent on me mm -hmm. going learning did, how to be a yeah, better driver. Yeah, yeah we did Bondurant yeah. not too long ago. I'm considering doing you know another class someplace because uh -huh. you learn so much in being exactly. able to, to, to go to yeah. those and yeah and. And I've been super fortunate. There's a uh, a local group that goes to Willow Springs fairly regularly, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm kind of the driving instructor for the beginner guys. Uh -huh. And I, I tell every one of them, I go, the best thing you can do for, as a driver is to leave your ego out there at the gate when you come in. Yeah. Because there's going to be some guy in a shitbox Miata that is going to pass yep. you up, no matter yep. how fast you think you are. Exactly. Yeah. And if you just learn from that person, that's going to be that's going to just make your learning curve so much better. Right. Right. Exactly. So we'd like to thank our sponsor, ARP and ARP-Bolts.com. And, uh, I mean, we all three build cars. We all work yeah. on this stuff. And I, I mean, tinker. You tinker. I we, tinker. Yes, we all build. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's, it's kind of a, a really cool multiple-purpose fastener for me because there's all the science and all the technology, which is bottomless. Trust me. Unbelievable amount of research that they put into these sure, things. Absolutely. And on top of it, you get them out of the, the package, and they're absolutely beautiful, which I've joked before. It's like jewelry for your right. car. And when pre -oil. we're building yeah. it, when we're, yeah, and when we're building a high-end car, it, there isn't anything else going on. It. I need, it's part of the criteria for right. me to have them lining the engine bay, not just on the engine, everywhere. Yeah. Right. So right. you get all the strength, the durability, the reliability, and fantastic good looks. Right. Sure. Kind of like Jeff here. And without, yeah. without peer. Without peer. <laughs> with, and you know what? Or pair. With, with, without peer. There's, no, there's nobody else Correct. that does that what is, do. It is. So check them out at arp-bolts.com, and they can help you out. I, I mentioned in an earlier one with, with, with Shannon about my experience with the guy... <laughs> At this at this event, where just em totally embarrassed me with a Saab Sonnet, right. which had which had probably one fourth the horsepower I had, right. and just drove away from me on the tight part of the course portion of the course. I could run roughly similar lap times, but he would be much much faster. Right? Yeah. Just and and it was all, and that's when I realized it's really not about the power. It's a. It's the car, and also the driver. The driver more so the driver than anything else. Right. That's like well. Mary, have, so have you ever put somebody else in the car that's faster so that you have oh, an Mary. idea? Mary. Mary, Mary yeah. Posey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Mary drove the car quite a bit back. I mean, it's it like 2010, 2011, something okay. like that. It was like a super Chevy challenge. Yeah. And so she drove the car quite a bit then, and then uh -huh. she also drove it. Uh, I think she drove it at Willow Springs one time. Okay. Um, but I very much enjoyed riding in the passenger seat. Yeah. Being able to watch her and yeah. listen to her talk uh -huh. because she, uh, women learn better than men. Mm -hmm. That's all there is yep. to it. Yep. And Probably she, because there's less ego involved. Well, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> so I always very much enjoyed riding with, with Mary mm -hmm. and learning from her. And then David, her, her husband. Yeah. Uh, both those have been mentors. Who's also for me. a very good driver. Very well, very accomplished driver. And has a fantastic the Lola, race car. The oh Lola. my Ugh, God. The Lola oh. is just stunning. We were talking about that. Weren't we talking about that today earlier? No, my friend Steve's oh, Lola, Lola oh, but, T70. But his, his car, and I didn't know about it. I was, I was at uh, Laguna, uh, yeah, at Laguna for the, for the vintage race. Up, up there, and he he debuted the car. I yeah. didn't know. Oh, he you had were it. there that day? Yeah, because I was there pitting for him that weekend. You? I didn't even I, see you there. I, I, I don't okay. know. So anyway, I'm like, I run by it. He's standing there, and I didn't make the connection. Right. I didn't know that was his car. That car's stunning. Oh my god! It's a it, what? What year was it? Sixty seven. I think it's like there? a sixty five, sixty six, somewhere S in there. Small block car. Small block car. 
Yeah, but like you know, a 500 horsepower small oh, block oh, car. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, but it's, before it's, the, the serious Can-Am big block stuff. Right. And, and it was just this beautiful cobalt blue, that blue car. Is stunning. Oh, my God. And when I realized it was his car, it was like, oh, you know, I was like a kid in a candy store. He goes, you want to sit in it? I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> He's got photos of me in the car. I was like, dude, I'm, well, he had I'm been, seven years old. This, um, this is cool. He had been such oh, a help to me. Oh, on the, yeah. Both the car He's a and, wonderful and guy, helping, wonderful helping guy. me learn how to drive and all that. And I said, David, when you take that car out, call me and I will be there. Oh, cool. Okay. So I went up and then you know, there's, there's three or four other people that were there that were, yeah. that, that were helping him pit. And just a spectacular car. Just, just a great. Oh, man. Yeah. And such nice people. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, did, did he help you in the development of the Camaro? Because he actually has a website for early Camaro he d- stuff. He does. So, I learned, I learned a lot from David. <laughs> and actually, my first time I ever did a track day was with John Hotchkiss. You uh-huh. know, so, Hotchkiss had a track sure. day. Sure. And Ke- you remember Kevin Lee? Yeah. So, Kevin invited me out. Okay. So, I went out and, you know, it was like, hey, Carl's taking the car to the track. So, and David happened to be in the area or something uh-huh. like that. So, he, he came in and he rode in the car with me. Uh-huh. And we're going down the main straight of Button Willow. Uh-huh. And so yeah, the front go, straight, right? On, on front the front there, straight, yeah. and, you, and you got that 90 degree at turn yeah, one. Yeah, so the first turn is a left, hard left hand turn. Well, we're coming to turn one, and that brake pedal's going all the way to the floor. Oh, and no. I'm like, damn, I got no brakes. He's like, pump it, pump it, pump it. <laughs> Th- that was my first experience on using brakes from a company that gave me something. Uh huh. And me being ignorant <laughs> and finding and out this was gonna that work. they don't work. Um, and it's a bad time to learn that, It's too. a really bad time to learn. So I overheated the brakes. Mm-hmm. I got the power steering so hot that the top of the power steering reservoir desoldered and fell I, off. I, was, I think I was That's there. You might I have remember been there. that because that, that was I a like two-piece that. housing. And yep. they soldered the top or, or bra- brazed it to yep. the top. And I remember that because there was a puff of white smoke that came that off. Would, that would car, be me. <laughs> and that was the power steering fluid going all over the inside of the, the oh. engine compartment. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wrecked the tires. Oh, I did everything. Oh, man. I did everything. <laughs> I did everything wrong from a driver and a car prep standpoint. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. But there was, there was one guy out there. It may, it may not have been that event, but it was one just like it at, at a track day who had a Chevelle, and he's out there every lap. He was out there running, and we'd break for lunch. Yeah. And so he'd been out there all morning running this car, and I really wasn't paying attention, but I knew he was just out there a long time. So I, I'd take four or five laps, come in, breathe the car, let the temperature stabilize, then go back out. Yeah. And, and he was just... Wah, 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 wah. And we broke for lunch. It was like an hour. And then you go back out, and he made two laps. Not even, not even two laps. One lap, and boom. Gone. The motor blew up. And, and so they're bringing him in on a hook, and we're talking. And I said, you know, I noticed that you were out there, like, all the whole morning. He goes, oh, yeah, I was having a great time. I said, you got an oil cooler on this thing? And uh-huh. he's like, a what? <laughs> I went, yeah. an oil cooler. He's, no. Do you have an oil temperature gauge? No. Your motor's toast. Yeah. It's done. And he goes, well, it, I probably just broke a piston or something. No, you melted it. It's <laughs> gone. It, we, I'd say once this thing completely cools down, it will not turn over. And then later it was like they're standing on a <laughs> standing on a breaker bar. It's it not going Yeah, it melted. He melted no, it no, down. No. Just burned it up. Yep. Yeah, those so, are all the things. You know, oil again, control. Again, back to the yeah. durability. Yeah. So what, did, what have you done on the, on the Camaro for oil control? So I'm still wet sump. Okay. Okay. Um, so the art of living dangerously. The, the art of living dangerously. But <laughs> yeah, I, I went through several oil pans on the car uh-huh. and finally landed on. This goes back a ways. Do you remember ATS? Yeah, American Touring Specialty. Yeah. Tyler Beauregard. Yeah. He and another gentleman collaboratively developed 
an LS road race oil pan. Oh, okay. And it's fantastic. Really? Yeah. Speed tech sells it now. Okay. So for a wet sump pan, that it, is the, that's the one I might, I might not I'll have to write that down because yeah. that's uh, yeah, because going dry sump is ultimately what you need to do, but the complexity and the potential for it to, you lose a belt or whatever is always there. There. Yeah. There's a lot of different things that could potentially go on there. Right. But I, it becomes one of these things is where do you stop? Exactly. Because now all of a sudden it becomes more race car than street car. Right. Right. Although there's a lot of street cars built today that have exactly. dry well, the LS, in them. Exactly. The LS7 had a, had a poor right. man's dry sump. Right. Yeah. Right. So um, the, the engine itself is really not that dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's still an LS6. It's got a scat rotating assembly, yep. uh, forged piston. It's 10.2 to 1. And how many miles are on that thing now? Uh, on that engine, I think there's... I think it's like 42, 43,000, wow. something like yeah. that on, the, on that setup. Excellent. There, there's only like 6,000 or f- something like that since it got, went through the full rebuild. Uh-huh. And it didn't really need the full rebuild. It's just one of those things where my brain yeah. starts saying, you got to check it, you got to check it, yes, you got to check it. Yes, exactly. Um, because it'll be one of those situations, if you don't, that's yeah. when it fails. Right. But it, you know, if then you the other thing's going to pop up my shoulder and say, <laughs> you should have checked it. <laughs> yeah, the little devil on this shoulder goes, right. you, you knew you should have done that. It's like, right. <laughs> it's like when my axle broke in one of those, one of the Hotchkiss deals and I broke an axle because, and I knew, it, I knew it was, I knew, I didn't know it was cracked, but I knew I was living on borrowed time. Right. Just one more event and then I'm going to change it over. And that's when the axle and broke. And that's when it broke. <laughs> yep. So we need to talk about, because, I, I didn't watch when we started, so I don't know where we're at, but we have not discussed Vaporworks. No, and that's and we should do that, yes. And as your locally, you know, marketing guy, <laughs> in my brain, I'm like, why the hell aren't you talking about your company? No, yet? I was going to get there, So, but thank you. The segue was perfect, right? Well, it, so, it kind of it fits with what I wanted to exactly, do with the car. Exactly, yes. Uncle Carl, what's Vaporworks? <laughs> <laughs> because, we're, again, again, it relates to the OEM stuff. How much of the OEM stuff can you take advantage of? Right. So after converting the car to EFI, supercharged, LS, all that, I went out and bought an aftermarket tank because you mm-hmm. had to have a, you need to have an electric fuel pump now, high pressure fuel pump. Yeah. So I went out and bought what I thought was the best setup out there, mm-hmm. and over the next year, failed three fuel pumps in the Ooh. car, and it, it basically all boiled down to where if the liquid level in the tank got below half liquid level. Uh huh. The now the fuel, pump is exposed. The pump, you, know, you turn hard, you, know, you make one G, the fuel is going to slosh away sure. and, and the pump becomes uncovered. Mm-hmm. And fuel is the lubricant and the coolant for the exactly. pump. Exactly. Internally and externally. Yes. Yeah. So mostly it, internal is by far the most important. Yes. You yes. got it, it. It needs to have <laughs> it has liquid to have flowing it. through it. So I, I, I didn't trust driving the car anymore. Mm-hmm. So which not make kind of defeats the purpose defeats the purpose of the car. So right. like okay, now I need to do do some more homework. And one day saw one of Mark's builds. He had a photo, mm-hmm. and all it was was a tank and this black thing that was sitting there, black <laughs> thing with a white top. And I'm like, what is that? What is that? So that's that's a modern fuel module. Mm-hmm. So the modern OEM fuel modules that come in, you know, Gen Five Camaro, Gen Six Camaro, CTSV, Hellcats. Every OEM car that's made today uses mm-hmm. an integrated fuel module. Right. So the integrated fuel module has an electric pump in it, but it also is so much more. Right. It has a built-in surge tank. So even if the fuel sloshes away, the pump still has fuel available. Yeah, it's right. got a pre-pump. Yep. Right? right. It's feeding the pump, so it's never without. Right. It's got a built-in fuel sending unit yep. to yep. send up. See, I learned something from him. <laughs> See, 
what, you too can a, speak as, technical. I, I yes. can. <laughs> I use bolt and things. So as a builder, not as a race car owner, mm-hmm. or in this case, it's 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 more like they're building stuff for like Sebring or Le Mans. It's got to last and last exactly. and last. It's not going to go around for two hundred miles, and then you can put it on the trailer. Right. Um, but as a as a as a builder, when he introduced this stuff to me, it's less with more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I can now run. One three eighths fuel line yes. instead of making a giant ten and then a return and no returns and taking up yep. room and because stuffing them the, next to hot exhaust because and the factory stuff. figured out that wasn't going to work right the return style systems because you, all you do is end up heating the fuel up so there yeah there's there's really yeah, well, kind of I learned that from I just stopped myself because the car was built by another professional <laughs> shop who I love uh-huh. so I'll just yeah. say we had a car that came in that another shop the awesome shop yeah. had built. They never had time to test the car, mm-hmm. but the exhaust, I mean, the, the fuel send in return went up the trans tunnel by oh. the three, three and a half inch exhaust. And, and it was, we, we took one of the temp guns on the it, fuel tank. It was probably scary. It was running, it, oh boy, yeah. Crazy. Very hot. So, yeah. so now Which we run one line that's easy to package because it's only three eighths, but mm-hmm. at like 72, 75 PSI, you move a lot of fuel, sure. yeah. right? So when he introduced me to this, basically what I'm doing is using a fuel pump. There's a couple of different levels. The Z28 pump for your 500 horse. Then you can move to the ones that were like either LSA or the LS7, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the higher output pump. Yeah. These, these are a, a, a modular, but they're... they're yeah, the, it's about this. We'll have to run G- some, we'll GM run some already photos did of the it. billions yeah. of dollars in R&D. Yeah, oh yeah, take advantage of it. So you, you have a ring, and it has to be set at a certain height off mm-hmm. the bottom of the tank. But the thing does everything, one send line, and... No filters, no regulators. No, it's got no a lifetime, lines, lifetime no, filter on the damn thing, module. right? Yeah. So now I'm building a super clean underneath because I got one line that I can tuck over here safely away from any heat. Right. Right? Yep. And the, the pump is... Total reliable. It's OEM reliable. Yeah, it's going to go 100,000 miles. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Or and, more. And I can get it from Rock Auto. It's an AC Delco part number. Right. So yeah. heaven forbid I am somewhere and something happens to it, I can go to a GM place or I can overnight it from Rock Auto to the hotel. It's just, it's a snap ring and the piece goes in. Yep. But it works hand in hand with your unit. Right. Right. Yeah. That talks to the engine ECU or well, they communicate. It can if necessary. But right. in most cases it doesn't need to right so what, what the the way the modern systems work is you've got the ecm and it talks to a fuel computer so they're talking back and forth over a can bus and it's telling the fuel pump how much to how deliver much pressure right it commands right. a pressure, pressure. It, and so now the, we don't need a return yeah right because you turn the, the pump into a variable speed pump so yeah. is it is it kind of fun to say it's like a slot car trigger pretty much it's, it's sending yeah, it's, less more right. less more it's sending They're what's doing needed it by pwm so don't go off the damn right. track with the full throttle <laughs> <laughs> well because when you're putting down the road in sixth gear you're using you're sipping fuel so I, and so it yeah. has to maintain the pressure but it's pulsing it where it's only using maybe 20 percent of the of so the I, I just had this discussion with a gentleman today he's building a uh, uh a hellcat he okay. has a hill crate engine. Uh-huh. And he's trying to. He wanted to put a five hundred dual five hundred twenty five liter per hour pumps mm-hmm. on a full return system, and oh you're like, just rocketing fuel up, heating yeah. it, and bringing it right. back. 
Yeah. That same pump is used in the in the demon, mm-hmm. but it's not run that way. It doesn't run that way. Right. Yeah. They, they put it, it's the, you turn the pump into a variable speed, mm-hmm. and you just change the speed of the pump to match the targeted fuel pressure. Right. right. To, to whatever you need. Right. right. Every OEM does it this way. Yep. So, and there's t- really two reasons. One, you've got to slow down these pumps that are 800 horsepower capable because they're mini fire hoses well, when they run wide open. And, and they, yeah. they're, you're, you're generating a tremendous amount of heat. Yep. 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 So the yep. heat in the fuel load is bad. Yep, because it uh, heats the fuel up. Correct. Because yeah. vapor lock doesn't really happen forward of an electric pump anymore. Right. When you're producing 60 PSI. It's not going to vapor lock. It's not lock. boiling. It's not going to boil. What it, what it does, where it does boil, and you see this on power tour all the time. All the time. Is I, I actually started calling it the vapor lock tour. The vapor lock tour. Because <laughs> what's <laughs> So <laughs> what, what happens is, is this fuel gets so hot in the tank, and now it's trying to move into the pump. Now it's under less pressure. Right. Lower the pressure, you lower the boiling point. Boil the point. So it's vaporizing as it's going, as it's going in. I got, I got a great example of that situation. It was a number of years ago. A friend of mine, a guy that I'd met on the tour, had built this twin turbocharged 6-liter little Chevy 2. And it was really a nice little car except for the way they mounted the pump. Right. And what he did was, so it had, what was the Chevy 2 have for a gas tank? 16 gallons? Yeah, yeah. 66 Chevy 2? Yeah. Stock tank. He, he mini-tubbed it a little bit, so big tires. We still had the stock tank in it, but he put an A1000 air motive, and it wasn't the fault of the pump at all. No, it wasn't the pump at all. Pump. But he mounted it this far above, above the tank. The, uh, oh, that's even so worse. So now you yeah. have this negative, li- you have a line that's got to suck, right? It's right. got to pull- do negative pressure here to get it to, to climb the steel. And so what he would do, and then when he would, I did the math on it. I've forgotten the numbers, but he said it would always lock the pump up a- after we got below a quarter of a tank. And then and, and I said, so how, how would you get down the road then? He goes, well, first we just tried to put uh, ice on it to cool it down enough so it would work. Because when it would lock up, it got so hot mm-hmm. that the clearances went away and it would just lock up. Yep. And then as soon as it cooled down, the pump would come back. And, and he said, but that took too long. <laughs> so I said, so what was the other solution? Yes. He said, you ready for this? No. He said, I told this to Brett Clow, who is the tech guy at Aeromotive, and he about had an aneurysm when I told him this. He said, oh, we just took a bottle of nitrous and hit it. Nitrous comes out of the bottle at minus 65 degrees. That's F. a thermal shock. That's a Bad horrible news. thermal shock. Yeah. And I, I literally heard him choke over the phone. No, that's great and testing. then when he that's recovered good. himself, testing, it was perfect. He took the car to Antarctica that you <laughs> could uh, function. Yeah. And he said, I need that pump. And I had my buddy send yeah, it yeah. to him. And, and I mean, really, what that really is, is a. But so the solution was that what he was doing was he was circulating. There was like four gallons left in the tank at, at wide open because the pump ran running full speed, full speed all the time was circulating that four gallons like every three minutes. Yeah. And so the temperature just went yeah. and then va- the, it the finally vaporized. And when it vaporized, now there's no, no right. fuel to pump. And so it locked up. And we're not, I, I'm not saying anything bad about everybody. No, 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 no. It no, actually makes a really nice parts. Absolutely. It's one of these Absolutely. things. It's kind of like ARP bolts. You hold an ARP bolt in your hand and you go, wow, that's a really, that's a nice part. <laughs> that's really nice. Right? Yeah. Right? That's a yeah. nice part. <laughs> and, and, it, and it was total installer error, you know. Right. And I've used that example a thousand times because it's like, you can't do that. You've got to put the pump in the tank. You need to put the and pump in the tank. And GM was much smarter than that and said, well, we're going to make this even better. Right. And this module just makes it yeah, perfect. So, you, so for step one is to slow the pump down. Right. Now, the other reason that GM did it, and you'll see this on the internet, people will say, well, the only reason they did that was for emissions purposes. Well, 
I, I have a different viewpoint on emissions than most people. Right. I think emissions requirements are the greatest thing that's ever happened to the automotive world in the past 30 years. Oh, okay. Okay, I like this. So how else would we have the fantastic... Performance that we have. ECMs, sensors, O2, cap- you know, full closed-loop O2 capability. Right, right. All of these wonderful systems... Came from the demand the emissions to make them more emission efficient. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So... What's wrong with not, you know, with, with exactly. having good emissions? There's nothing wrong so with that. So hence why you, because I, I was going to ask the question, why you put the O2, or I mean the cats on your on your car. So you certainly didn't have to. I didn't have to. But it, it, for me, it did two things. One, it really quieted down the car without losing performance. Okay, because Chevrolet engineered it They engineered way. all that they stuff. They engineered And again, I was given some data. That I was like, you got to be kidding me. Really? I couldn't believe the data that I was being given. Really? It, you know, again, I trust these guys. Like like DB data. Yeah. Y- well, and not flow, DB data, flow. horsepower oh, data. Horsepower data. Real. Yeah, cats don't really hurt they don't. power. They don't. No. no. Modern old, supercharged old, cars. The old, old days of pellet converters, yes, they Dif- were horrible. Different deal. But these are monoliths. Uh, correct. Yeah. So a whole different animal. Um, so, I mean, my, I, I love having my wife drive along with me in the car, but she never liked driving in it for a long time because she gets out and she smells, smells like, like gasoline. Yeah. Right, right. That's gone. Mm-hmm. That doesn't exist any longer yeah. in the yeah. car. So That's it, a good point. Yeah. But... It, it, overall, emissions have done so much for the performance hobby that's, that we don't even think about most of the time. Yeah, because that—that's yeah. what's that driven a, all these systems. That's a really good point. That's a really good point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. So, just, just finish the description of your system because okay. so the pump is is factory and you've got let's say you've got an LS motor or a Hemi right. whatever it is. Yep. And so you, the to complete the system, so you, you got need a this way pump. to control the pressure. Right. So you got this pump. And maybe you're using one of them, maybe you're using two of them. There mm-hmm. are applications where we're doing two of these things at the same time. Sure. But to be able, the, the, in the aftermarket, trying to use the OEM fuel system control module is really hard to do. Right. right. Um, so I've got a standalone controller that can control those pumps. Uh-huh. It base, the engine's going to, it doesn't know the difference, whether right. it's a full return system or whether it's a pulse width modulated returnless system. All the injector cares that it gets the right amount of fuel pressure. at the right pressure. Exactly. You meet those requirements, all the problems go away. Right. And for folks who say, well, you can't make, you know, eight or 900 horsepower on a returnless system, please don't go tell Mopar that. Because <laughs> they're already because doing Because they're it. already doing that on, on, on the Demon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, 750 horsepower C7ZR1 yeah. systems yeah. are all day all, long. All day long with all these things. All day so long. It's all getting it set up correctly. Sure. Controlling th- those pumps the right way and uh-huh. then... Those pumps will literally suck the tank dry. Yeah, and, and literally still, and dry. still give you and still give you the full when fuel, it's fuel right to the very end. When it is empty, it mm-hmm. is empty. It there's is no, empty. there's no going. Right. There's there's right. no trying to nurse it anymore. Yeah, because internally it's returning a certain amount of the fuel to always make sure that the, the the pump itself, the inlet to the pump, has always got fuel. There's some bleed fuel that is used to shoot through nozzles. Mm-hmm. So when you shoot high pre- high stream of pressure liquid through a nozzle, it creates suction. Mm-hmm. So that suction's pulling fuel into the reservoir, into the, into the reservoir. bucket. Right. So it's always overflowing with fresh fuel. Even mm-hmm. if there's that much fuel in the tank, yeah. it'll keep sucking that fuel in and overflowing it. Uh-huh. So since there's literally suction pumps that are keeping that thing full, mm-hmm. there, there's, there's nothing in the aftermarket that's even close to what right. these OEM right. pumps can do. Yeah, yeah. And they're fully filtered. They have safety devices. Oh, yeah. Uh, OE quality connections. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're talking really 
well into nice, your stuff. Nice yeah. stuff. Install it and forget about it. Yeah, because like, you like, don't ever have to worry. Like, about it. Like Steve said, the, the OEMs are spending more in development of these fuel pumps than most aftermarket fuel companies have in their entire budget. <laughs> right, right, right. And the, the purpose of an engineer is to do for $2 what anybody can do for $5. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you mentioned Rock Auto. You can buy yeah. a 650 horsepower supercharged or 750 horsepower naturally aspirated OEM fuel module, ZL1 mm-hmm. Camaro, right. Gen 5, mm-hmm. for $205. Oh, man. Yeah. All day long. All day yeah. long. And it will live forever. Who replaces yeah. fuel pumps or fuel filters in their modern cars anymore? Right. Nobody you just does. don't. Yeah, you just don't. Yeah. Especially if you keep the tank at least half full because it, well, even then it's not really critical. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but nope. you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, you're it's not, not put, important now. So let, let's say you've got the same pump and you run it full speed, mm-hmm. okay, and you're making 60 PSI. Mm-hmm. Take that same exact ZL1 pump and now run it on PWM, 60 PSI. The ejector mm-hmm. has no idea. It doesn't know the difference. doesn't right? care. It yeah. doesn't care. Just doing that is a 50% reduction in power of the pump. Wow. 50% wow. reduction in power. Because <laughs> all during idle and cruise, all that power just goes to heating up the fuel. Right, right. Very little fuel is yeah. going to the engine. Yep, yep. So all you've really done is integrated the engineering that's already there into an aftermarket application that anybody could use. Yeah. Because right. once you set it, right, because you just basically take a, it's essentially a, a, a slight adjuster. Just a potentiometer, set, yeah. A potentiometer to mm-hmm. set your pressure, set it there, and to walk away. You're done, yeah. right? And that's the last adjustment you'll ever have to do. Yep. Yeah. Unless you change something in the car. Didn't you, didn't you tell me once that you were running one of those little things continuously for like years at a time in, in, your, in your shop? So, so I have the one that's the controller that's in the car now uh-huh. is it, it, I actually recently put that one in. Mm-hmm. But the current version is basically the same since eh, mid-2013. Uh-huh. That was a hand-built. That means mic- microelectronics, building it underneath a, 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 <laughs> a microscope yeah, to, to, to build it. <laughs> I had that unit in the car up until very recently. Wow, wow. And I, I, so they're incredibly durable. So you don't have to the, worry about it. Yeah, most of the time if something goes wrong, um, you know, read the instructions mm-hmm. that, that's the most important thing right and fortunately with guys you know like steve you know their guys are very adept at, at having put these things in right right um but in general if you if you it's the don't do something stupid rule but that goes not just for my product or well, that's anybody. Any, anybody's yeah, product yeah yeah, yeah just and if there's one thing i've learned over the years it's like when something fails I, the first thing i look at people just point to the product and go well it failed and it's like i've learned over the years it's like well i gotta look at what i did right uh, because usually <laughs> what the problem is is it's the Dad at Christmas time problem. Uh, Dad never looks at the instructions. instructions right. And the, and the swing set looks like something that came from the set of Rube Goldberg. Mars. <laughs> yep. And uh, nothing works at all. And it's it's because they don't read the instructions. Right. 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 Exactly. So if what's the uh, again, I'm going to give him every opportunity to promote his company. <laughs> How do people go on the web and find you? Yeah. What is the web address? So VaporWorks. With an X. With an X. With an ah. X. With an X. Yes, Steve, it has an X. See, 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 Shannon Hudson is was, was, was making fun of it. Yeah, yeah. Because I was in the background. Because you were, yeah, yeah, right here, baby. Yeah. We're all friends. So it's VaporWorks. Yeah, VaporWorks.com. With an X. And there's actually tools in there. So if you just know, oh, I got uh, you know 600 horsepower, this or this, you can, it actually has a menu to, yep. to walk you through to yep. be able to select the system that, that would work best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
as always, there's a telephone number, and you can call that up and yep. talk to me. And talk I'll walk to you. Yeah. 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 Well, because I've got a buddy that's doing an LSA Chevelle, and yeah. I, oh, many years ago, told him, dude, this is what you need to do. Yeah. It, it, it's really a no-brainer it for, for, especially really for is. most folks that are going to go out and want to drive the car. Right. Um, right. Because you never know. Like one lap again, mm-hmm. we're in the middle of nowhere. And we thought we were going to be able to get a gas station, and we didn't. We had to go almost another 100 miles to get oh. to a gas station. Oh. We would not have made it on yeah. a traditional fuel system that right. leaves an inch of fuel in the bottom of the tank. Right. You know, we right. sneaked in there and had about a half a gallon left in the tank, <laughs> sweating the whole time. Yeah. Um, but it's, it, it's, for me, it's really been kind of a joy, too, because, you know, my engineering background and all yeah. that. And yeah. it's a lot of well, fun to, to Proof to of do. concept, right? Well, that, that's it. Yeah. 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 It, well, it, I want to make it real clear because we've been talking about LS motors. We've been talking about Hellcat motors. I've been using your stuff on other motors. We use it on uh, Bob Florine's big boss, Kazi. Yeah, uh, Boss Nine well, motor it, it's, with a Borla eight stack on it. Anything, so right? it, it doesn't. Just so there's no misunderstanding, it's yeah, not, not just LS you don't have no. to have a new LS motor right. or a new Gen no, Three Hemi. No, no. This can be anything with injectors. Sure, and it you you've now taken the fuel delivery out of the worry because yep. you're yep. using an OEM quality pump and you're making it easier because, like I said, one line. Uh, it's it's not a wiring nightmare. If right. You could put the the EFI motor in. You could put oh, your yeah. thing in Absolutely. without even trying. How many wire and and he even he'll even work with you. Like where are you going to put the module? Okay, I'll make you a wiring harness that's X amount of feet long. Mm-hmm. So it's already you know in your ballpark for your engine. So it's the reason I'm excited to talk about this for him to come on and talk about it is it was a revelation for me at the shop. It really really was. It yeah. simplified. Added way more reliability, and it allowed me to make things look better. Mm-hmm. Sure, and and more straightforward. I yeah, buy that pump, bring yeah. it. You know, it, it was like a just a light bulb turn on moment. So I'm excited that you guys can go check it out. If yeah. you're building a fuel yeah. injected motor, you should definitely take a few minutes and go learn about this stuff. Yep. It's exactly. really cool. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it's been cool. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And but, it really fits in with what you're doing with the Camaro because you, you're, you're adding to the durability of it and everything else. I didn't so. trust driving the cars. <laughs> now, now I don't even think. That's nah, actually you don't the, even think about It's it. actually the biggest problem for most folks. Hmm? They forget to put fuel in it because they've forgotten <laughs> it, that the thing does what it's supposed it's, to do. Right, right. right. But, Which yeah. is the simplest thing in the world, right, but you right. know, you'd be surprised how often it happens. Yeah. Well, listen, we could probably talk about this for another hour, but we've run out of time. So... Thanks for coming, man. We had uh, a great time. Thanks. This was yeah, a lot well, of fun. Thank you so much for having me. And, and today, maybe we'll have you back to tell some great stories because I'm sure there's some acts out crazy, you know, one lap stories, right? Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another time. Thanks for watching. We've had a great time doing all this. Yeah, uh, again, thanks. Thank you to ARP-Bolts.com, our main sponsor. Um, and uh, keep watching, and we'll keep telling you stories.